Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Hope-filled joy. There is a proverb in Scripture, Proverbs 30, 13, 12, that says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. All right, how many people have heard that before? Sometimes you've seen it on a bumper sticker or even a TV ad. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. It's nice when your hopes come to pass. It's a good thing. When whatever you're hoping for, I'm hoping for that bonus, and it comes to pass, you're excited. I'm hoping for that Christmas gift that I have been hinting around for a while and hoping somebody, and then when it comes to pass, like, yay, they got my hints, right? Uh, But then when it doesn't happen, then you kind of, you know, your heart can get sick, right? It's nice when what you hope for comes to pass, but what do you do in the meantime when you're waiting for that good thing to happen? What do you do when you're waiting for your hope to come to pass? Nobody likes to wait. Uh, And how many people have ever been to a theme park, Six Flags, Disney World, something like that? Okay, a a lot of us. Okay. All right, so... My wife and I, that's one of our things. If we go out, uh, we travel or go on vacation, we like, she likes, actually, she likes theme parks and roller coasters. I've been converted to liking theme parks and roller coasters. I, that was not my thing early on. And uh, we've had the privilege. I've been to Six Flags a bunch of times. We went to Sandusky, Ohio. We've been on the tallest, the longest, the fastest roller coasters over the 12 years we've been married. And we, if you go to, or a lot of people here will go to Disney World and things like that. And you know, people will wait for hours, hours, sometimes half the day of the whole vacation they have. Half of the time is spent doing what? Waiting in line, right? They will wait for three, four, five. There's one ride at Disney World that you'll wait eight hours maybe for, if you're not at the right time, for a five-minute ride. Why would you do that? Why would you wait five? You know, if you go in the summer, you're waiting in like 90 degree weather and you hope they have those Mr. Fans. So you're standing there and then they're like all these sticky people are bumping into you and there's kids running in and out of the line and you're tired. Your shoes are hurting. You've been walking all day and you, you've been sick now because you ate too many funnel cakes and you know, you got nachos in your, and it's just like hours. And I'm thinking, oh, just one more hour of waiting in line for this five-minute air-conditioned ride. But that five minutes, Lord, of that air-conditioned ride, it just might be worth it. How many people are like that, right? Uh, but why do people do that? Because why? They believe that that temporary suffering of waiting in line, even if it's for hours in the heat or even now in the cold, the joy they're going to experience on that ride is worth the wait. When you think about that in the Christian life, the temporary suffering of waiting in line, even if it's a long time, is worth the joy ahead. I think about those moments, Beth and I being in line and it's, and I'm the cranky one when it gets, I get hot and I'm ready. All right, I'm just done. It's not, just leave this line. I'll be waiting for you by the ice cream stand. Y'all go through, how many people are with me? I'll be waiting for you near the waffle cones. You go through it. Three hours later, I'll still be here on my third waffle cone. All right, I'm good. But you wait in line. And, but here's what some crazy people are like. Oh my gosh, did you see that? Look at that. We're going to be up there at the top. Can you imagine? Are you nervous? 
Oh man, we're almost, we've been halfway. We've got it halfway. There's only half. I can't tell where halfway is. This line's going zigzaggy back and forth. But I know that I've waited three hours just to get to here. But they're like, oh man, do you, are you excited? Are you nervous? Can you wait for this thing? And you just the smiles on people, even though they're hot and sticky, even though they're tired, but the joy even in the midst of that long line is incredible. Because they believe it's going to be worth it. And when you get to the very end, you know what you say? Here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. And you get the butterflies in your stomach. When what you hope for comes to pass, it's invigorating. But failed hope can be discouraging and depressing. When your hope is continually frustrated, when promises don't come to pass, the Bible says it can make the heart sick. We've been able to get to some of these rides before, no joke, waited like three hours in line, whereas the next people to go in and the ride breaks. Then what happens? Your heart gets sick, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. All that anticipation where something doesn't work out and there's no joy. I want you to remember this this morning. There is no joy in a hopeless heart. People can only bear hopelessness so long. There's no joy in a hopeless heart heart. No joy in a hopeless heart. For instance, some people in this life, and maybe you're here this morning, and that you have been continually let down by a mom, by a dad, by a family member. Maybe it was an ex, uh, an ex-relationship that someone was over and over and over again, let you down. Everything they promised you never came to pass, and now you don't even trust that relationship anymore. There's no joy in that relationship anymore. In fact, that's how many children have been broken from their parents is because they've been continually let down to failed promises in a marriage likewise a marriage likewise without hope in a marriage to believe that tomorrow can be better that's one of the number one reasons for divorce is that we don't believe that we can work through this that tomorrow could ever be better we don't have any faith in tomorrow and so therefore we have no joy in today and so we call it quits hope is the number one killer of marriages. You know, there's one thing you don't need when things are going well, and that's hope, right? There's something you don't need when things are going well. You don't need hope. You need hope when you can't see the future, and you don't have what you need in the present. You need hope when you can't see in the future, and when you don't have what you need in the present. And for some today across America, life is going too well for them to hope in anything. Today, the line is very good. It's really easy. It's really comfortable. I don't care if we make it there or not. I don't even care if I'm in the right line. I don't even know what the destination is because I'm having too much fun right now. And this line, I have no reason to hope for anything else. There are some people in our communities and in your family, maybe in this room, that you're not in that category. You're in the other category that you're about ready to jump out of the line. It's been too long. It's been too hard. It's been too hot. Suffering has been immense. You're ready to give up. You're ready to turn it in. You say, I don't even care about being in the line anymore. I want to jump lines. Let me find an easier line to get on because this is not working out. I can't see the end of this thing anymore. All I know is the behind me. I don't even want to go back there. Where's those little quick exit light? For people who get nervous on the line, you can get out real quick. You don't got to go back through all that because I can't take it anymore. I'm hopeless. There's no joy in a hopeless heart. 
Is it worth the wait? Do you have joy in waiting? Do you have hope for tomorrow? And here's the good news, what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. That there is joy today for those who have a tomorrow in Jesus. There is joy today for those who have a tomorrow in Jesus. Jesus is joy. And if Jesus is your tomorrow, you can have hope today. If Jesus is your tomorrow, you can have joy today. Somebody say amen. Amen. Look with me in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. What about your tomorrow is bringing you joy? What is your hope in? How confident are you that Christ is coming again? Peter, let me set the stage for Peter's letter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter knows this story well. Because what happened was is that Jesus has come. God zooms in in the book of Luke to a narrow group of people. He finds a a small remnant of faithful Jews who are hope-filled for the Messiah. They are anticipating His eager return. And when He shows up, they are joy-filled, joyful. Think about Mary singing her Magnificat, Elizabeth leaping for joy and singing uh, when Mary shows up. We think about Zechariah. We think about Simeon, that old man in the temple who says, now that I've seen him, I can finally die in peace. I'm excited that he's come. I think about Anna, the prophetess in the temple who was there at his baby dedication, who uh, just was excited that Jesus had come. Mary and Joseph, faithful young Jewish man and a girl who are saying, God, we've been praying for, praying for a Messiah. We've been faithful. We've been looking, anticipating your first coming. And now Jesus has come. Jesus has died. And Jesus has ascended to the Father. And now his early church people are wondering, when is he coming again? Peter One of those people, one of the first followers of Christ, now is nearing the end of his life. In fact, in this day that Peter's writing, people are being persecuted. They're being tortured. Nero, this great evil emperor, is about to come on the scene, do one of the mass persecutions of Christians. In fact, he's about to kill Peter himself. In fact, many of the apostles have already died by now. And there's false prophets rising. And they're saying... Where is your Jesus? Where is this guy who said he left and is coming back? Maybe he never did leave. Maybe he's dead still in a tomb somewhere. Maybe somebody stole his body. Maybe he's not coming back. And Peter, knowing that he's come once and believing he's coming again, he writes to his churches across Asia Minor and he says, Have hope. Have hope. Be Hopeful. He's come once, and he's coming again. Somebody say amen. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Somebody say hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. 
who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, what happens? You greatly rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. That's joy. Greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and in glory and in honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And even though you haven't seen Him, you love Him. And though you haven't seen Him now, but you believe in Him. And you, here it is, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. You rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Does that define your Christian life today, right now? He's talking to a bunch of people who might be ready to die tomorrow. And he says, in what's happening right now, guess what you're doing? You are rejoicing with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Why? They have hope. Be hopeful. Let's look at this passage just a little bit. In the first part, it says something. It says, in him you have this living hope. You have been born again to a living hope. What is a living hope? It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. Why is it living? Because somebody is who you're placing your hope in. He's not dead. He's alive. You have a living hope because you have a living Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. He says you've been born again. John 3, he says that Jesus says you've got to be born again. That means born from above by the Spirit. So Peter says this, church, your hope is in a person who's alive. How many people know Jesus is alive? He's alive. They're saying, is he coming? Yeah, he's coming. Why? He's not dead. He's alive. So my hope is alive too. How many people have a living hope? It's a living hope. It's a live hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a boring hope or a ho-hum hope. It's no, it's moving. It's breathing. It's alive. That's the second. The second one, he says this, you have this promise of an internal inheritance. What do you get as a Christian? Jesus's inheritance is you. Your inheritance is Him. When you get to heaven, everything that God has given His Son Jesus, He gives the church. How many think that's amazing? Everything that's the reward of Christ is now yours because when you stand in front of the Father, Jesus has taken your sin and He's given you His righteousness. The blood of Jesus covers you. So now when God sees you, He sees you as his son, as his daughter. So he gives you the same inheritance as the son. That's incredible. He says, guys, you've got something worth hoping in. You've got something worth thinking about. You've got something worth rejoicing in. Just like that ride. It's a long ride. But guess what? It's going to be worth the wait. It's going to be worth it. You've got an inheritance Paul would later say, or earlier he would say, there's no eyes not even seen. Ears haven't even heard or entered into the heart of man what God has for you. That's incredible. You can't even think. There's some crazy people who can think of some awesome stuff for movies and dream. All they, they dream up all kinds of new, you know, 
Chronicles of Narnia, Star Wars, all these worlds, man, they got languages for these movies. They got planets and they got CGI and they think of all this stuff. It hasn't even entered into the possibility of man what God's got for people on this earth who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's incredible. Man, we can think up some crazy stuff, but it has not even begun to tell of the glory God has for his church. And he says, guys, here's the third one. He says, don't, un, don't, don't freak out here. You are going to be protected by the power of God in the Holy Spirit. He says, your soul is safe. What does that mean? He says, until now, you have been protected through the power of God. You're going to be protected. So in this line, as you're waiting... And it's winding, and it's long, and it's hot, and you may be persecuted, and people are going to be wondering, is Jesus coming? When are we going to get there? How long do I have to suffer through this life? Is it going to be any better tomorrow? He says, guys, not only do you have his word, but you have his spirit. His spirit is that internal guarantee, a promise for tomorrow. You've got it now. And number four, he says, even though you may suffer, you can greatly rejoice with joy Inexpressible. I thought about that phrase this week. What is inexpressible joy? I don't know. I can't express it. Right? I, mean, I think about, is it, I want to say, is, are you mute? Can you not say, just, you know, you, I don't know. Maybe somebody, when you get excited, you can't get anything out of your vocal cords. What is inexpressible joy? He says you should have it, though. I can't explain it to you because it's inexpressible. I even looked up commentaries. Nobody even could write about it because why? It's inexpressible. He says, You have something, you should have something now. I don't know that that defines too many of us in the Christian world today in modern America. How many people are inexpressibly joyful? How many people do you know? Am I? Are you? Are we? When people look at us, they say, those people are crazy, right? I can't even describe to you what's going on with them. It's like inexpressible. He says, In the midst of suffering and trial and persecution and a long wait with much doubting and much perseverance, you, because you have your sight set on the end, that this line has an end, there's something worth the wait. And right now in the midst of it, y'all can be happy. You can be joyful. You can be excited. Because if there, there is joy today... For those who have a tomorrow in Jesus. Somebody say amen. There's joy today for those who have a tomorrow in Jesus. I want to break this out. Give you three things to take home. Number one is this. Trust his word. Trust his word. How do you go through long lines of life? How do you go through suffering, trial, and pain? How do you get through doubts of tomorrow? How do you overcome grief and loss? How do you overcome the willingness to want to jump lines and get out of this for an easier trek? How do you make sure you're in the right line that you're not just enjoying today with no care for tomorrow? Number one is trust His Word. Peter says, if you've been born again by the Spirit, you have His promise, church. He says this promise is as precious as your precious faith. And he would tell them in the second book, he'd write them. He says, guys, remember the word of God. Second Peter 3, 2, remember the word of God. He says, in the last days, 
There may be mockers like you're hearing on the news and on TV and in your education system. They may be saying, where is this Jesus? And here's what Peter says. He says, guys, I want you to remember something. The word of God made the heavens and the earth. Just look around you. No scientist, no liberal engineer, no, no NASA astronauts, no rocket people. Nobody made those clouds. Nobody made those trees. They can't even explain everything that comes from. Some word from God made that mountain and made that ocean and made that moon and made that planet. And he says that same word that made those mountains, that made those trees, that made those stars, that same word says, I'm coming back. That same word said there's an end to this line and it's worth the wait. So if you want to trust something, trust the word that made the mountains, trust the word that made the seas, trust the word that made the trees, trust the word that made you and me and the word of God that came to this earth and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and rose from the grave and seated at the Father says, I'm coming back. Trust the word. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust it. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And he would tell them later on, just a couple chapters in John, he says... You may have grief now, but I will see you again. Here's what, listen to what Jesus says, one of his last words before leaving earth. He says, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Woo! No one will take your joy from you. That's powerful. You may have trials, you may grieve now, but trust the word. Jesus says at the end of this line, it's worth the wait. And when you get there, it will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. There will be a joy that you'll never, ever lose. I can wait for that. I don't know about you, but I can wait through that. It may be hard, it may be tough, it may be lonely, it may be long, but I can wait for a ride like that one. Trust the word, number one. Number two is this, endure with confidence. Endure with confidence. Not only do you have his word, but you have his spirit. Like I said, his spirit, he says, it's the power of God living in you. And no matter what you go through, he's with you. He's with you. Peter said you could practice these things. If you trust in God and follow his spirit, you'll never stumble. Jesus is going to abundantly supply you as you go through this line and you think, Man, it's, I'm just tired, I'm, I'm ready to give up. And he's just saying, wait, wait. The gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, wait, just trust in me. I'll give you strength. I'll get, here's some water. Here, you know, here's, here's that waffle cone for a little bit. You can make it. Just hold on. Don't give up. And that's when we have the church and we're all spirit-filled believers. We're to encourage you and, to, and, and exhort you and press you on. That's why Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves as you see the day drawing near. Don't give up. It's worth the wait. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's worth the wait. It's worth it. In this life, you may find a coworker or a friend, someone in your job that's thinking, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can go through the rest of this marriage. I don't know if I can get through my week. I don't know if I can keep this job. I don't know if I can make it. And you can just turn to them and say, guys, there is a joy today for those who have a hope for tomorrow in Jesus Christ. 
It's worth the wait. I know you're going through a hard time, but you can endure. He'll give you His Holy Spirit. You'll have a comforter who'll come to you. Peter says, guys, God's not slow about His promise. He's coming. One day is like a thousand years to Him, and a thousand years is like a day. He's got a plan to save the world. Trust in Him. Endure with confidence. And you think about Paul. And the, and, and the, likewise, Peter's writing this. On the other side, Paul's writing Philippians. And Paul writes to his church, and he's tied to a jailer, and he knows his end is coming. And you know what he writes in Philippians? Guess what he says? He says, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Why? I'm almost at the end of the line. I can see the ride. Look, there's like three people in front of me. We're about to make it on. So as I, even though the line's been long and it's tough and I'm hot and I'm sweaty and I'm sticky and, and it's feel like it's what even worth it. But now that I look, I'm almost here. So again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Lastly is this. Live for eternity. Trust in his word, endure with confidence and live for eternity. You know, when you are in the middle of those lines, I don't know why I'm talking about roller coasters so much, but it fits to me. Some of these lines, as you get through, and they do this psychologically because they don't want people to be mad. If it was this long, straight line, they know it wouldn't work. If you ever notice, especially at Disney World, they zigzag it, then they'll put little things for you to look at. TV screens, they'll go to different places. And Why? You want to keep people happy, Right? Frustrated people don't make good park guests. But you, don't, you can't tell really how far you've got. All you know is you've made it this far. And you know there's a front of this line somewhere. You may be a mile off, but it's zigzaggy. You don't know it. But you have to keep your eyes on the end. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I just know he is. I know how far I've come. I don't know how far I've got to go. But I know there's an end to this line somewhere. How many people understand me this morning? You may not see the end. We may not know how far we have left. But I can look back behind me and say, Lord, thank you. I've come this far. I know there's only just a little bit more to begin. And I'm going to make it. I'm living for eternity. My eyes are on the prize. And we need to turn to our neighbors and remind them, look how far you've come. Look how far we've made it. It's been 2,000 years. It can't be that much longer. Amen? It's been 2,000 years. Peter says you can live for eternity. That means you can be confident. One day you are going to lay aside this earthly body. He says you've got a promise in a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Paul says you're going to all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The dead will be raised and you will be changed. He says you're going to there's going to be a day that Lord is going to come like a thief and this old world is going to melt away. And Isaiah, I love what Isaiah says. He says, guys, on that day, the ransom of the Lord are going to return. They're going to come with joyful shouting to Zion and with everlasting joy that's going to be on their heads. It says they're going to find gladness and joy and there'll be no sorrow or sighing. It'll all flee away. Everlasting joy. And Peter says this, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. He says, guys, knowing that the world is going to end in this way, how should you live? That's living for eternity. How should you live? He says, what godly 
and holy lives you should have. If you believe the word of God that Jesus is coming back, it should make a difference in how we live today, what behaviors I do, what ways I think, what attitudes I have, what things I invest my life in. If you really believe in a tomorrow in Jesus, it should change your today. Your attitude in that line should be different. It should be joyful. It should be happy. Like we sing that old song and we kind of make fun of it now, but it's, oh, when the saints go marching in, right? It's a highway to holiness. It's a highway to Zion. There's an end to this, and the journey is a part of this process, church. He's given you heaven now to experience along the way. And you know, there are some things you can't take on one of these roller coaster rides. You know that? When you get there to the very end, before you can get on this line, you know, there's some, you can't have sunshades. Some of these rides, you can't even have watches. You can't have flip-flops. Some of you had to be so tall, right? There are things you got to put on the side to join the ride to go higher. We go on high, church. There's things you got to lay aside and leave on this earth and say, that ain't worth the ride. Because there's been sometimes we've had these strollers. It'd be a $100 stroller. And I'm thinking, man, I don't think we can leave that stroller over here. Somebody's going to take that stroller. Or, man, I'm not leaving my phone in that bin. Sometimes you got to let it go if you think the ride is worth it. You hear me this morning? you got to let some things go. That unforgiveness, that hurt, that pain, that attitude, that desire for riches and fame in this life. Some things you got to let go if you want to enjoy the ride. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? Trust in His Word. Endure with confidence. And live for eternity. Is your life joyful? Are you full of the joy of the Lord? Are you at peace with God? Do you have confidence in the end? Do you have a vivid reality in your heart that Jesus is coming back? Church, He's come once and He's coming again. This is the best Christmas uh, illustration we can get this morning. If He's come once, He's coming again. And just like those first century Jews were ready for His first coming, church... This Christmas, this season, we need to be ready for His second coming. We need to experience the joy of the Lord. And when He comes, we are ready to receive Him. That means trusting His Word. Do you believe in His Word more than your circumstance? That means enduring with confidence. Do you have a confidence in the Holy Spirit that is going to see you through to the very end? That God's not going to let you go. He's going to hold on to you if you hold on to Him. And are you living for eternity? Have you let the right things go? Is your eyes on the end? Are you anticipating? Maybe there's things, attitudes, thoughts, behaviors, actions you need to let go of today. Somebody's wronged you. Somebody's hurt you. You need to forgive and give that pain to God. Maybe you've been focused on the buying and selling. The Bible says in the days of Noah, people are going to be marrying and bearing. They're going to be selling and trading and going about their daily life. They're going to be in the wrong line. They're not going to be looking and expecting his soon coming. And Jesus says, guys, if for those who are waiting, those who are anticipating, those who have been faithful servants, I'm going to say to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Guys, it's worth the wait. Father, I pray over this congregation this morning, Lord, that every single person 
God knows they're in the right line. God, that we are having the right attitude. God, that our eyes are on you. Lord, that there is nothing we're holding on to. Lord, reprioritize our thoughts. Prioritize our eyes. God, we get so frustrated so easily in this world. We get so busy and distracted. But God, may we let go. Focus on you, Lord Jesus. Know and believe you're coming quickly. And receive the joy of the Lord. For there is joy today for those who have a tomorrow in Jesus.